0: i got a word for us tonight and um i'm excited because for the first time since Yonah, god has allowed me to preach out of the new testament and when I caught this word, I was like, oh my gosh, finally, I've been preaching about like Gideon and like Israelites. It's like, dude, are we, let's, let's talk about Jesus. So turn with me to Luke 10. Are we there? Holla at meet you there? All right. Who brought their Bible? God, they're so holy. Can I, can I admit something? I forgot my Bible. <laughs> so I'm preaching off one of uh guys, Maddie Matt, B's Bible on staff with us. Thanks Maddie B for letting us me. He uses the Bible. Distractions, you know? We'll get to you. All right, let's, uh, let's read the word. Verse 38 says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted By the big, somebody say big, Big. dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Verse 41. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha. Some translations it says, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset over all these details. But there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I want to preach tonight just for a few moments. Hopefully I don't go over time like I always do. I'm so going over time. From the topic, the one thing. Somebody look at your neighbor. Say the one thing. Okay, now apologize to the neighbor you didn't talk to. It's rude. Lord, we love you so much. We just ask, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you speak? Would we encounter your presence through the word of God? Lord, we just ask right now that you would teach and reveal to us the secret things of your kingdom. We love you so much. And everybody said... Amen. Have you, uh, have you ever been like really distracted? And I don't mean just like that one time where like you're going somewhere to preach and forget your Bible distracted. I just mean like, like you feel like you just are living distracted. Like you just have a million things on your mind all the time. You sit down to do something, and you just can't focus on one thing because you feel like there's a hundred other things to do. Growing up, I had a lot of uh, teachers and um, people who were in charge of me kindly urged my parents to potentially get me tested for ADD. I've never sat still very well. I've always talked a lot. I've always been high energy If you don't know what ADD is, it's Attention Deficit Disorder, which basically means it's hard for you to focus, you're easily distracted. So I've lived with this undiagnosed ADD for most of my life, and they call it Attention Deficit Disorder, but I call it Always Dumb and Distracted, and I'm trying my best to figure out throughout my whole life how to stay focused. But my parents, when people would say, hey, you need to get Caden tested. You gotta figure out why this kid talks so much and he's so hyper and why he won't sit down. You gotta figure this out. While they said that, my parents always said, no, Kate, it's a superpower. But it don't really feel like a superpower. Just the other day, I, I, like, I went upstairs to go grab something out of my room and I walked in my room and immediately forgot why I was even there. I'm like, this doesn't feel very super. Or like, have you ever sat down to work and then you opened up like a hundred tabs because you went to go open one tab, but it reminded you to do open another tab, and then you were reminded by a picture you saw that was like, oh maybe, oh sharks. What are sharks doing on my screen? I wonder what, when was the last shark attack that was local? Local. I mean, how do they like cold water? Oh, well, where's cold water? Oh, we have cold water. Oh, I should probably stop going in the ocean. It's not a superpower. It's called being distracted. And in these scriptures, we come to Mary and Martha. What you need to know is Martha was this person in scripture that uh, many biblical theologians and and scholars will tell you that Martha must have been a person of um, influence, who was rich, who was well renowned. Uh, It says that in scripture that she invited Jesus to her house, meaning she was the head of the household Meaning that, especially back in those days, she had some sort of affluence or influence in that area. And then there's her sister. And while Martha is the famous Martha, the hostess with the mostess, it actually doesn't mention anything about her having a husband. So she was the woman who's independent and don't need no man. Can I get an amen? All of them was like, but I want one. (laughs) please. While Martha was the hostess with the mostest, there was her sister, Mary. And in the scriptures we just read, Mary's only mentioned a couple times and seemingly insignificant, but they seem to really talk up Martha. Martha was cooking for Jesus. Martha was hosting for Jesus. Martha had a house big enough to allow Jesus, his 12 disciples, and the hundreds of other people that traveled with Jesus into her home. Martha had enough money to feed all of them. Martha was the hostess with the mostest. She was the best. I kind of think of Martha as like the golden older sister. Like Martha, Martha, Martha. Like if I could just be Martha. But scripture makes it really clear that Martha was distracted, that although she was working for Jesus, verse 40 literally tells us she's distracted. And tonight I wanna present that one of the most dangerous things that this generation is facing is spiritual distraction. We've become a generation of Marthas. Someone that says, no, I'm working for Jesus. But scripture says, you're distracted. And here's the thing about Martha's distraction. It wasn't all bad. The intention was pure. The intention was like, oh, Jesus and his friends are coming to town. We should have them over. I'd love to serve them, cook them my mom's lasagna, and just have them over for a fun time. It'd be a great. And so that happens. And while she's there, all she's focusing on are the little things that she can do to look a certain way in front of Jesus. She was, say it with me, distracted. Distracted. See, I think all of us at some level we're Martha. We're distracted. We're distracted by the promise of success. We're distracted by the classroom. We're distracted by the potential spouse, the girlfriend, the boyfriend. We're distracted by looking good, by acting cool, by being the best. We're distracted by having the most followers. We're distracted by popping off on threads. We're distracted by all of the things in this world that keep us from Jesus. And maybe your intention's pure. Maybe you said, no, I'm going to get this job because I'm going to go every single day and I'm going to glorify the name of Jesus. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to witness to my my co-workers. I'm going to get distracted. And you show up at your job day after day after day after day, and you have forgotten why you went there in the first place to glorify Jesus. But it actually was just easier to work hard at your job and to just blend into what everybody else was doing. You got distracted, but your intention was pure. Your intention was, oh, I'll work up the chain, I'll get promoted, and once I become the boss, I can tell everybody about Jesus. But you got distracted. So you started off on your relationship and journey with Jesus, saying that you were going to work for Jesus, but then what happened? Or maybe you're on the other side of this group. Maybe you're the side of this group that says, and has lived, always distracted. You're so distracted, you don't even know it because your distractions have become your priorities. No, 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 no. I'm going to get the job and get paid well, then I'll go to Jesus. No, I'm going to figure out my anxiety and depression and pain on my own, then I'll go to Jesus. No, I'm going to get the car, get the girl, get the house, everything's going to go well, then I'll go to Jesus. But you don't even realize that you're distracted. I want you to see this in the scriptures with with Mary and Martha. Martha. In this story, what do you see with Martha? You see a nervous, chaotic, stressed, anxious, discontent, and snappy Martha. Why? Wasn't Jesus in the room? It's because distraction, it breeds anxiety, and discontentment. When you're distracted You forget who's in the room And the distraction The things that are pulling for your intention I would even argue And if you disagree we can talk about it later I would even argue most of our priorities Have become distractions and pulled us away from Jesus My priority is my job making money, paying the bills, chasing my dreams, then why are you anxious, discontent, and worried all the time? Because your priorities are actually your biggest distraction. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to come for you. Like I'm really not trying to attack you. This towel's nice. I think it's a microfiber. (laughs) Distraction. How good did this feel at the moment? So good that I forgot what I was here for. And I'm not trying to come for you. Oh, we've all been there. I forgot my Bible today. But we've all been in that place where we get so distracted that anxiety starts to breed and build and starts to become this thing that we can't get away from. Discontentment tells you, you got to quit the job. It's not the right job. you got to get out of this relationship. It's not the right relationship. you got to move. You're in the wrong city. you got to do all these things. But really what you need to do is maybe you just need to get in the presence of Jesus long enough to let the presence rewire your priorities and let them stop being distractions. We've all been this person. I love how Martha goes, Jesus help. We've all been that person. Jesus, where are you? God, why did they get the promotion? God, what about me? You forgot about me. When is my wife going to get here? How come all good stuff always happens to them? Why are they getting to do this? God, what about me? And we get distracted by allowing the anxiety and the discontentment to become our identity. And we wonder, God, where are you? I thought you said when I got saved, it was gonna get easier. I thought you said when I got saved that you would be here closer than a brother, that you were the prince of peace, that I would have peace beyond understanding, but I feel discontent and anxious. Or maybe you came in here on the brink of giving up on Jesus, on giving up on religion, because you've said, no, I've tried it. I worked hard. I tried to look like a Christian. I tried to be what you thought, what I thought I needed to be for you, God. I tried so hard, it didn't work. And you've already given in to the distraction. You've already given up. You've already decided that you were going to perform your way into the presence of Jesus, that you were going to cook him a big dinner. You know why distraction does this to you? While it slowly pulls, prize, and picks you apart? It's because distraction was built to pull your attention away from the things that matter. That's all distraction was built to do. It's a simple tool. Distraction is not this thing that's this hard concept to understand. When I say the word distraction, and I've said it a lot, you guys know exactly what I mean you potentially even come to a place in your mind where you go, yeah, I think that thing has been distracting. Because once distraction can pull your attention away from the things that matter, distraction can also, also make you think that the calling is more important than the king. I want you to flip your Bibles back to verse 40. Verse 40 says, Martha was distracted By the big dinner, she was preparing. Can I get a little theologian on you for a sec? Oh, no? Oh, okay, okay, cool. See, that word preparing in the Greek is actually the word diakonia. And what that word prepare or preparation actually means is in the Greek, it actually means ministry. In the Greek, it actually means ministering, serving, or serving in a ministry context. In other words, verse 40 says, Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. In other words, Martha got distracted by her ministry. Distracted by her calling. Jesus came to my house to eat my food. And sit with me and my sister. Really, Martha? What are you you doing right now? It seems like you're running around the house trying to impress and do all the things to make it look like you're a Christian, but you actually don't know how to live like you're a Christian. And that's us. I've been there. The temptation is to always chase the ministry, the calling, or even in Martha's case, the big ministry, without Jesus. And you can even say, no, listen, I serve diligently at my local church, and I'm there every Wednesday evening, and I have just joined the Bible college. And um, some of you men are like, dude, you don't see me. I can pick up six chairs at one time. I'm going to heaven. And I'm going to stack them up there too. But we can get so caught up in our calling that we forget that the king is in the room. We can get so caught up in the assignment. I got to cook for Jesus. I got to serve for Jesus. I got to prepare for Jesus. I got to have a ministry for Jesus. I got that you forget where he is. He's in the room. And while Martha's cooking dinner for Jesus, while Martha's waiting on Jesus, Jesus is waiting for Martha. He goes, Martha, you've started to work for me. Without me. Martha, you, you decided to play Christian instead of learning how to live like a Christian. Martha, aren't you supposed to be the affluent big sister that everybody looks to? You're supposed to look good and be good and be the most righteous. And I never sin. I never lie. I never do anything wrong. I'm Martha. And, Martha, and Jesus goes, yeah, but Martha, you're doing it without me. That's why your intention to bless Jesus has become a burden. God, I feel so used. I'm serving at church and I'm trying to tell people about Jesus and I'm doing this and that and I'm tired and I'm worn out and I feel so used and tired. And God goes, but didn't you pray for me to use you? And you go, yeah, and then he reminds you, but to be used by someone, you have to be close to someone. To be a tool, you have to lay in the hands. And your affinity for your calling has made you forget who's king. Your affinity to be a blessing has made you start to carry a burden. A burden that Jesus actually came and died on a cross to take from you so that you didn't have to carry the burden the burden of religion but that you could step into freedom, you could step into fullness, you could have a relationship with Jesus so that he could be with you in your house sitting at your table. Matthew 7, and 23 says, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and stacked chairs in your name and went to my nine to five in your name and, and opened the door for that person in your name and told the barista about you in your name. And Jesus replies, but I never knew you. Get away from me. How can you serve for Jesus? And he go, I have no idea who you are. You did a lot. You acted good. You performed perfectly. But you left me at your table. Waiting on you. Because Jesus doesn't need you to feed him a meal. He needs you to take a seat. See, here's the other thing distraction does. Distraction makes you forget who God is and who he is not. Verse 40, the end of verse 40, it says, (laughs) I love this part of the story. Can you put it up? I want to read it the way she would read it. In verse 40, she says to Jesus, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. You ever got so distracted, you started screaming at God? God. You ever get so distracted you start barking orders at Jesus? She got so distracted by the big dinner, she forgot who Jesus was. She starts screaming at the guy. I can just imagine Jesus like, whoa, dude, I just came here for dinner. I don't, I had no idea you were going to. She gets so overwhelmed for Jesus She forgets who he is. Jesus says to her, Martha, I didn't come here to consume. I actually came here to outpour. Scripture says that the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And Martha gets so distracted and so overwhelmed that she starts yelling at God. Don't, don't be judgmental. I've know you've done it. I've done it. Where are you at, man? I thought you said if I followed you, it would be easy. I thought you said if you started Yona, we would have the money. I thought you said that if I did this, I would be successful. I thought you said you had plans to prosper me. What do you mean? Where are you? And the scary part about this form of distraction is you actually stop thinking he's God and you start thinking you are. You start believing that you could start barking the king of kings, the creator of the universe around to fit in your plants. Didn't you know this is my house? I let you in to serve me dinner. Help me. The scary thing about this behavior, about this mindset, is that the satanic church, what they actually teach is they don't teach that Satan's God. They teach that you are. And one of the biggest tactics of the enemy is to distract you so much that you actually start believing that you are in control of your own life. He don't gotta destroy you. He just needs to distract you because a distracted you will slowly destroy yourself. The burden of the big dinner will start to crush you if you're God. The burden of your calling will start to crush you if you're God. If you got to be prim and proper, if you got to live up to righteousness, if you got to get yourself figured out, if you got to beat anxiety, if you have to beat addiction, if you have to stop watching porn on your own, if you got it's gonna crush you. And Satan stands back and goes, "Good." They forgot who God is, and when you forget who God is, you forget who already won. what's interesting about this story is eventually what happens with Martha is that this distraction it actually leads to distortion. If you can live distracted long enough it can actually change your perspective. If you can live distracted long enough it can actually make you distort The things in your life that actually mean something. The tactic of distraction is to again make you think that your distractions are actually your priorities and your priorities are just distractions from those. You don't have time to spend 15 minutes with Jesus this morning, you got to get to the gym. You don't have time to spend 15 minutes with Jesus this morning, you need extra 30 minutes of sleep. You don't have time to spend 15 minutes with Jesus today. you got to get to the job early. you got to get to class early. You don't have time. That's a distraction. No, no, God will use you once you graduate. God will use you once you get married. God will use you once you get promoted. God will use you once you're there. Then you can spend time with him. But the reality of distraction is that if you live in it long enough... It distorts your vision, and you can no longer see and differentiate between what's distraction and what's your destiny. From the very beginning of creation, God created Adam and Eve to be in communion and relationship with Him. That's it. Everything else was supposed to be a blessing. However, we allowed it to become distraction. God said, I want to spend forever with you. And Eve said, well, just after I eat this snack. Distraction can riddle the thoughts and vision of mankind and make us fall into the temptation of Satan. And I love this in verse 41. It says, Jesus, he comes to Martha after she snaps at him, after she screams at him, after she's an anxious mess. And his response to me is so, so kind. He says, my dear Martha, you're worried and you're upset over all these details. But there's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it and it will never be taken away from her. Jesus says, Martha, 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 breathe. Martha, look at me. Remember who's seated at your table. Remember who saved you a seat to come join me. And then he says, look at your sister. Do you remember where her sister was? Scripture tells us that Mary, while this whole thing was happening, while Martha's distracted, anxious, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's got to feel terrible though, to be honest, when like Martha's like freaking out and she's like, "Make my sister help me." And Jesus is like, "You need to be more like your sister." Siblings in here are like, that stings. But here's the truth. Here is the truth. While Martha is, I just see her like an anxious mess. I see her like your mama on Thanksgiving when she just feels like there's not enough food and she's running crazy and she's sweating in the kitchen and things are going bad and she's telling you to sweep the floor and mop your room and clean the ceilings. You're like, no one's even gonna go in my room. And she's like, come out. I see Martha like this crazy wreck. And then there's Mary. In this verse, it's almost like Mary's so unmentioned, we actually forget about her. We're like, we we get to the point where Jesus goes, he goes, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it, and we go, where's Mary? She's at the feet of Jesus. Because while Martha was distracted, Mary was a disciple. See, biblical commentaries and, and theologians will tell you, that to be sitting at the feet of a teacher or a rabbi actually meant that you were formally considered one of their disciples. You were considered to be sitting under their teachings, to be following what they said to do. See, Mary, through this evidence, was a disciple of the King of Kings. And while distraction, anxiety, stress, disappointment, pain, and anger circled all around her, Mary seemingly existed in a space that nobody else was in because she was seated at the feet of Jesus as a disciple. Mary understood I could cook the best meal of my life for Jesus and offer him everything, but if I don't spend time with him, I will still leave hungry. I will still need something. I will still leave going, I had Jesus in my house, and I was an anxious, scared mess, and I didn't know what to do with my life. Mary figured out the one thing. She figured out that if she didn't have Jesus, she had nothing. Can have it all. You could be working for Jesus as much as you want. You could be claiming to be a Christian. You could be you could be telling people to come to Yonah with you. But you could still be nervous, distracted, anxious, and a wreck because you've never learned to sit at the feet of Jesus. You never learned that there's nothing in this world that can offer you peace. There's nothing in this world that can fix your problems. There's nothing in this world that can fulfill your life. There's only one thing, and his name is Jesus. And he's not of this world. He's greater than this world. And he conquered the sin and the pain of this world. Mary figured out that if I need to be transformed, I need to be seated in the presence of Jesus. I want to remind you, Mary lived in the same house as Martha. Mary had access to the same things Martha had Martha was famous. That means so was her little sister. Martha was rich. That means so was her little sister. But Mary said, I don't need it. I just need Jesus. And Mary said, I'm sick and I'm tired of living like Martha. I'm sick and I'm tired of saying, I'm doing it for you, Jesus. And him going, yeah, but you don't even know me. And Martha said, I'm sick of leaving Jesus seated at my table. And never sitting with him. Martha knew exactly who Jesus was. There's evidence. She invited him and all her disciples to her home. She knew who Jesus was. There's actually evidence to prove that she even believed that he was the Messiah, that he was son of God, that he was God in human form. And yet she still allowed the distraction to overcome the ability to sit to talk and to listen to Jesus and don't don't mishear me this sermon is not like hey quit serving this sermon is to help you understand that working for Jesus is powerful but listening sitting and being with Jesus is vital you know the other day I I was uh, I was having just a day like Can I be real? Just having a day, dude. Like meetings after meetings after small fires after small fires and podcast stuff was going wrong and Yona stuff was going wrong and this and that. And I was stressed and I had so much on my mind and I was like, God, this is so crazy. So I went to the gym to try and blow off some steam and I rolled into 24 hour fitness, which I have no longer, I'm not attending anymore. And we can talk about that later. Distraction. And I rolled in and I parked my car. And I was just ready to break down. And I said under my breath, God, I think I've bitten off more than I can chew. And as I went to get out of my car, I heard the Holy Spirit so kindly say, Caden, son, daughter, I never asked you to chew anything. I just asked you to bring me the plate. I asked you to sit at my table And let me speak to you. I don't know what you walked in with tonight. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you're anxious. I don't know if you're ready to give up on Jesus. I really don't, but I just know that it's time tonight to give Jesus the plate. It's time tonight to let him take the anxiety, take the distraction. Let me tell you something. Nothing this world can give you is what Jesus can give you. Do you want to finally be free? Give Jesus the plate. Do you want to finally be full? Give Jesus the plate. Do you finally want to be prosperous in your spirit? Give Jesus the plate He's the one thing you need. And everything else is distraction. Come join me, Ben." Jesus says to Martha, "Martha, there's only one thing. That you need to be concerned about in this world. Mary figured it out. All you need to be concerned about is if your life is seated at the feet of Jesus. All you need to be concerned about when you get off track is say, where does my life live? It lives at the feet of Jesus. All you need to do when you face temptation is say, where's my identity? It's at the feet of Jesus. All you need to say when you're done, you're ready to give up on religion, ready to give up on Jesus, throw in the towel. It's over for me. You need to remember that if you position your life at the feet of Jesus, you can remember the only thing in your life that you need. The only thing that's going to fix anything in your life is there. It's in his presence. It's in a life attached to his. The last thing that Jesus says to Mary and to Martha is he says, Martha, Mary figured it out and it will never be taken away from her. There's no lie, there's no calling, there's no mission, there's no broken family, there's no addiction, there's no depression, there's no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no defeat that can take you away, if you can center your life at the feet of Jesus, it will never be taken from you. Satan can try. Satan can work, but it will never leave you. Why? Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I believe it's time tonight to pick up the one thing in your life that's going to shift everything around. I didn't come here to preach prosperity I came to give you freedom in the name of Jesus come on if you believe it just lift up a shout of praise come on all over this room stand to your feet there's one thing but there's also one moment you need the one thing And it can shift in one moment. You want to center your life at the feet of Jesus? You can do it now. You don't need to go home. You don't need to figure it out. You don't need to have it all together. You don't need to get the right money in your bank account. You don't need the right commas. You just need to pick a moment and say the one thing is going to come now when I pick that this is my moment to step into the presence of Jesus, to step into the feet of Jesus. Come on, let's begin to worship all around the room. Let's begin to center our life on Jesus. Come on, begin to sing it out, man. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app from more biblical meditations at abide.com.